Hey, what's up? Hello. Oh, I can't hear you. I can barely hear you. You're really choppy, too. Oh, shit. Is this better? It's getting louder, yeah. Here? Yeah, I'm already recording, just cause. Oh, yeah, gotta capture everything. Yeah, uh, reality as it's it's moving through us, I oh, guess. I Time and For shit. Sure. This is uh, <laughs> cinema verite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, you know, since we're talking about something so uh, so technologically ingenious, we might as well play with the medium ourselves. Yeah, the very the very height of montage and like technology going on here. Who knew that the problems uh, that weren't sensed about montage had uh, only to do with uh, uh, the amount of montage? People are like the uh, the Academy Award for Best Editing just goes to the most edited movie, and then they'd be like. This guy's the second Eisenstein because he cuts just a lot, just all the time. Yeah, and uses like automated uh, digital um, tools to like manipulate images. I mean, sure, that's these are the tools of uh, the 21st century, but it's like it all it is is new. It's not some kind of like insightful deployment of those tools in order to like increase our awareness of the possibility of cinema it's just a lot it's just like there's a lot of stuff there isn't all that much novelty to it as technique like the technological elements like the purely technical elements are the only interesting thing on the level of technique it seems so like slavishly indebted to like late Godard yeah it's just it's deeply uninteresting if you've seen like goodbye to language like this is just goodbye to language but bad and like techno fascist uh, oh, we should we should say what movie we're talking about yeah jesus uh we're talking about isaiah medina's uh new film inventing the future which is based on uh the 2015 book of the same title which is kind of a political um imagination of what the left might be able to do in order to realize a, a better world mm, that's that's a very generous way of putting it yeah well i mean it's an adaptation of a book that doesn't have a very good reputation in the first place um, yeah yeah it kind of makes you question why adapt a book that is like I don't know, just why adapt a Verso book's book and then, like, position yourself at some kind of vanguard of cinematic and revolutionary thought. It doesn't make sense. It's, God. I mean, I guess the conception is that the vanguardism is the aesthetic um, feature. It's that perhaps the book was inefficient in its argumentation. What we really need is a new techno vocabulary of like image and sound to 
like create the new imaginary that the book was unable to fulfill. Well, but this is all part of the film's fetishization of technological process as like somehow uh, in its supplanting of human labor is going to uh, pave the way for a utopian communism, which is of course like unspoken, but is necessarily localized to the first world because the first world would depend on third world labor, like essentially exporting capitalism to the third world while uh, fully automated luxury communism to revive a ghost uh, is the rule for the first world. It's it's just social imperialism in its like most degraded technocratic form. Yeah, I think the thing that is so remarkable about the film is that it keeps positing technology as this kind of like incredible liberatory instrument but all history like up until this point has been a story of the abuses of technology by those who have power in order to enact that power against those who do not have power and what about this robotic uh, reformation of the economy uh, would change that well the answer is nothing essentially like the idea of UBI and uh, I believe the term they used was synthetic freedom oh my fucking god synthetic freedom freedom. those sheer like teleological like view of human life that that term evinces like the idea that we need to create a better human through technology like this sort of uh transhumanist vulgar transhumanist notion is like so blatantly fascist to me it's just it's social eugenics yeah i mean i saw the film as fundamentally misanthropic Oh, it hates people. It hates, like, people as they actually exist. Technologies and affective computing are also making inroads in automating some of the highly personal and embarrassing care work that might be better suited to impersonal robots. More speculatively, some have argued that the pain and suffering involved in pregnancy is something that should be relegated to the past, rather than mystified as natural and beautiful. It loves an idea of people that is always projected outward into a dubiously possible like technological utopian future yeah and i mean it's like it's really frustrating to me because the height of kind of like fictional utopianism in the popular consciousness of like americans for instance or people in the west or perhaps the entire globe are like jetpacks and you know geodesmic domes and robots serving us right and this is like a post-war image this is at the the most hopeful uh entrance point of 20th century capitalism where the imagination was already there that we would live in a hyper luxury of limitless wealth and leisure and that capitalism was going to bring us there i think it's unbelievable that anybody is taking seriously now that that very same vision is actually emancipatory because it's being wielded by people who claim the mantle of anti-capitalist uh agitation this film is like 
such a clear example of the way that certain strands of like capitalists, fundamentally capitalists to their core, have branded themselves as communist essentially by obfuscating history. Because like the I only watched forty minutes of it because I that's all I could stomach, but like if you go and look at the history of neoliberalism it presents, it's fundamentally anti-materialist and incorrect. It's an obfuscatory, like, uh, mystification that, like, replaces the history of, like, material change with the history of ideas. It's fundamentally liberal, like, in the very worst sense. Yeah, it's marketing. It's just marketing. rhetoric yeah that's all this film has that's like the entire extent of its existence it's um it's totally armchair like thought in fact it admits itself as such in the first 10 minutes like it admits that it has no interest in the present moment or in the possibilities that exist now for moving the struggle against capitalism and for the proletarian classes forward it's waiting for a projected moment it's the ultimate like distillation of left communism and it's like willful rejection of everything that exists in the present moment that might be called socialism Well, and it's it's lack of a materialist analysis is to me just so nakedly a feature of the kind of like yuppie aspirations of the people that are creating it. Uh, it seems like to them a revolutionary project is one that we should not seek precisely because it involves sacrifice and struggle. You know, workers of the world unite, you have nothing to lose but your chains. Global capitalism has, like, changed that in the sense that, like, we now have a labor aristocracy. We have people whose lives and wealth depend upon the super-exploited labor of the rest of the world, the periphery. Um, and that also depends upon the extraction, the super-extraction of uh raw materials from the earth so it's like we've done this great violence to the planet we've done this great violence to uh, the masses of people who live here to the benefit and the enrichment of you know a very small class of people and then these people are going to tell us uh, bodily emotional or visceral engagements with this problem are actually an impediment to uh, an abstract analysis. Well, what what is the fucking use of an abstract analysis to the people who are fucking dying? Marxist analysis is in no way like abstracted from history, and that's what this is. It's like the idea of like technological possibility it proposes is fundamentally like in opposition to the sort of degrowth and deindustrialization that almost certainly needs to happen in order for those like extractive processes to be ceased like it's the it's the ultimate expression of this sort of like <laughs> the sort of 
communist thought that like naively dominates on like Twitter where like people fundamentally do not see that they will have to change and probably sacrifice things in order to live within an eco-socialist society. Ultimately, it's about like the end goal, the idea of socialism that these people have is that we project the freedom, um, quote unquote, of the middle class, of the upper middle class to everybody. But their everybody does not include everybody in the world. It's everybody in the nations of America, Canada, and Europe. That's their, That's the extent of their vision, and it's such a paltry, incomplete, and unsustainable vision. Yeah, I mean, it's fundamentally, like, imperialist, uh, neo-colonial, white supremacist. Oh, it's... I, I think the thing that repulses me most about their response to this is that it's a lot of people just disregarding that this is a just thoroughgoingly, like, imperialist sort of uh construction there is no getting around it and to not acknowledge it seems so irresponsible to me i mean it's it's madness i mean like the thing that is so strange about it is that we have all this imaginative productivity like the whole film is supposed to position itself in a way that it argues that uh, we must unleash this kind of untapped and limitless imaginative power in order to solve these problems that the left has failed time and time again to solve. We are more concerned to appear right rather than to think about the conditions of political change, action at the expense of thought, comforted that they were doing something rather than nothing. But it, like, it, it doesn't take its imaginative construction seriously even in the slightest bit so like toward the end of the film it it makes this argument about how full automation will actually rescue us from the existential threat of global climate change because what it will do is that it will reduce the work week and we know that if we reduce the work week we will have reduced the carbon footprint but it's like you just said we're going to reduce the work week by making robots do it how the fuck do you think we're going to build all these fucking robots and who the fuck is going to manage them and like grease them up so that they can keep running so that we can do fucking what with it make shitty fucking movies That is horrid. I'm so glad I didn't watch that. It's like, madness. It's it's so untethered from uh, reality. Uh, there's that conversation about uh, green urban planning that is presented in part in one of the early bits of the film that is like so maddening to me in that it perfect like it perfectly encapsulates like the contradictory impulses of the the grad school left in that it's the fetish for data for policy combined with a complete and utter uselessness as like revolutionary thought ultimately it just discards any kind of real socialist analysis in favor of just reformism like base reformism it's not even disguised it's just 
placed in such an obtuse, like, discursive circle that, like, no one else has the wherewithal to care about it because they're fighting real struggles on the ground. That's this not true reputation. The actual brick. You could That's just the obvious newborn brainchild of someone who's first system. come into contact habits, with those which are unique. Habits, with those which are unique. Habits, habits, well, yeah, and they position the kind of, like, neoliberal turn like following Reagan and Thatcher as like this incredibly impressive feat of of hegemonic uh, turning over of an old order. And it's a totally unearned observation. And then they use it to suggest that like this is actually the transformative event that leftists should concern themselves with if they want to advance a successful project of liberation and it's like yo like neoliberalism did not succeed because it was able to advance stronger arguments it it was a natural unfolding of the material conditions of capital it reenacts and perpetuates the predominant structure and the power of the capitalist class it does not threaten it in any way of course it was adopted of course it was integrated ideologically into these western powers by what mechanism are we going to liberate a working class a proletariat a poor class um, by advancing what arguments and, and through what channels, right? So like neoliberalism is able to succeed because it already has access to most of the institutions of an old order. Like the neoliberal can go on television and make their case. I mean, this is literally not even what happened. Like even this is a total like fabrication, but like even assuming that that was the case, where are we going to go to make these kind of like absurd arguments about the magical and impossible robots that are going to like free us all? And yeah, the idea is that robots are going to understand this logic much better than traditional construction. The intellectual history of it is just patently false. Mm -hmm. Like the there's a line there about like some sort of Keynesian like. Uh, prehistory like before ne neoliberalism like emerged that is just untrue there was never any like keynesian like dominant intellectual class in america it was not the the ruling class's economic theory of choice it's just insane that like they just lie straight to your face like from the start of this it's false it's falsehood uh yeah i mean but, like, i, I, I want to reiterate too just because uh, i think like a lot of the criticism uh of the film has not like plainly said that like it not only is this kind of full automation and post-work society undesirable uh politically, theoretically, philosophically, for a whole host of reasons, even if we take that aside, it is, like, physically impossible. Like, there are not enough raw materials on the planet right now to make enough AGI steel boxes and robots to 
automate all the work needed to sustain life on this planet. And even if there were, the extraction and labor necessary to generate that transformational infrastructure would kill us all in the in its process even in addition to that their plan their vision includes like this long unspecified buffer time for their like ideology to seep into the uh general populace and like to somehow just diffuse and convince people. Uh, And so there's this extended inaction before we even could go about this hypothetical action at the expense of thought. Automation of all work. Action at the expense of thought. And it's just insane. If you know anything about what's actually happening with the climate, it's impossible. We can't keep putting things off for a later date. And then, of course, it is impossible. It's an impossible project. Action at the expense of thought. But it, it wouldn't be worth doing if it was possible. But it's a but it's a comforting myth if you live a comfortable life already, right? So, like, if you're Uh, an aspiring yuppie or if you are a yuppie and you live inside the United States or Canada and maybe you go to university and you expect to have some kind of professional job where you like sit at a desk and like type on a computer the notion that you will have had to have sacrificed nothing in order in order to liberate the entirety of the planet against the evils of capitalism and to enact Uh, actually a system of limitless wealth in which all we have to do is like chill out and like have a good time while robots take care of us like that must be a comforting myth which is precisely why it's reproduced here and precisely why so many people are hailing this as some kind of like revelatory and important advancement in cinema well yeah the idea that in the revolution your lifestyle doesn't fundamentally have to change if you're comfortable already which is as you said a comforting myth it's a bedtime story for the middle class well and it's like uh, i listened to an interview with the authors of the book and they were kind of like bemoaning the notion that um after the post-war period and especially coming out of the 80s what we saw was like a huge influx of dystopian imagination for the future. Um, and you see this in like Adam Curtis's hypernormalization. He does this like super cut of early 2000s cinema or like late 90s cinema, like disaster pictures. So you just have people like running and things are exploding and tidal waves are engulfing humanity. And for the authors, like without any like uh, irony or self-awareness are just like, yeah, this is just unseemly to us. Like, this is just gross. Like, there's no curiosity for why these visions have now replaced an older kind of utopian thinking. Instead, it's just, mm, 
this doesn't feel good. We don't like what this is communicating. Instead, we substitute our own vision, a utopian vision. It's, it's no more complicated than that from my perspective. Well, I mean, more than that, they, I, I feel like no one involved here, like at any level, has any conception of human beings as like complex psychological creatures. Like the way that they speak about humans in their hypothetical revolutionary society one can even call it revolutionary is as tools for like demonstrating their concepts for playing out the little uh neologisms of their ideology like uh, at one point they talk about cultivating and constructing the correct attitudes in human beings it's insane it's so nakedly fascist like well yeah to think of humans that way to to think of them as something to be pruned into the shape that you want is so horrifying and i bet you know there are so many people who would uh revile any socialist nation in existence for its uh dictatorial excesses that don't see any issue with that well yeah what so they've invented this future right that you've rightly identified as uh one that by necessity from their their perspective conforms hegemonically um and this seems to be the mechanism that they that they prefer some kind of hegemonic top-down instruction in which human beings are going to be enlightened uh, this kind of renewal of like a rational approach to human organization. And then what what will happen to dissidents or to people who fall outside of the capabilities of such a limited imagination for the future? What, what, will, what will happen to them? Well, and also they explicitly position themselves as descendants of the Enlightenment, unironically. It's so frightening. In... 2020 and it's like even bourgeois academia has enough self-awareness to recognize the enlightenment project as fundamentally racist and imperialist at this point the fact that they can't even like reject sort of the ancestry of like the enlightenment shows just how committed to the sort of rational eugenics of it they are I think it's like totally reprehensible. Like it's literally just out there in the open. Like they don't even try to disguise their own intellectual forebears. What did enlightenment produce? Capitalism and then after it neoliberalism. So if this is a, a revolutionary anti-capitalist project, how is it sharing its antecedent with these very processes? It makes no sense. And I <sighs> I have this like anxiety that like what will emerge from this is like a sense that the film actually regards its political arguments as superfluous to what is uh, a overarching aesthetic project. I mean, I feel that the fans of this picture are ready to go to bat for it through any kind of like intellectual gymnastics necessary to revive it or defend it from 
its apparent failures. But maybe I'm fucking wrong, too. Maybe the people who are watching this are literally like the robots will save us. Well, I mean, I heard verbatim, and I have seen multiple times verbatim the argument that you are describing uh, that the film regardless of its political content, is an advancement and montage, and thus we must value it for that. Which I think is dubious on aesthetic grounds already, but is nonetheless such a specious argument when the film is setting forth its montage as part of its political project, as uh, part and parcel of its like uh, fundamental... Uh, vision of technology like I think that that argument is so disingenuous well yeah and what value would the aesthetic project have if it were not for some kind of like marriage with the the like larger ideas of the of the film like why this book rather any other oh it has it would have no merit but like so many people on kind of in our film Twitter circles, they are fair weather communists when it comes to art. Like yeah, yeah, when right. it is convenient, they are attacking movies for their political content. But when it comes time to excuse your Griffiths and your reef installs and all sorts of things, it, it becomes pure formalism. It's like, to some degree, we all tailor the degree of political, like, uh, kind of approach we take to movies to an individual experience. But to that degree, it just strikes me as so, like, cognitively dissonant. I don't understand how people just don't see any kind of issue doing that. When it seems like hyper-intellectualization as, like, candy as like a pleasure system which is totally fine but it's curiously devoid of like sensuality or feeling at the same time and i just like i find that there are all of these unsuspecting contradictions and tensions at every moment of the film that to me seem so much a part of political and aesthetic mistakes on the part of its creators rather than some kind of like discursive invitation or some kind of like through radical decentering and opening an opening up of like limitless possibility and even if it were to achieve those ends like uh, or or that goal like to what ends like to, for what purpose, for whom, and in what ways? Like, I just don't get it at all. I don't know. Aren't I movies really... for people to watch? Well, are they for people to watch? Or, like, are they kind of objects of accessories to social prestige, to cultural capital? Uh, and I think pretty definitively, people want them to be the latter especially online and in academic circles. Yeah, see, like, for me, that's just uh, unacceptable. <laughs> I don't know. That just sucks. I mean, I think you're right. I think 
I think you're right. I think a lot of people see them as, yeah, accessories, adjuncts to their social power. But holy shit, like, what a, we've just mm. failed so much. Sorry, miserably. you keep cutting out. Oh, um, my apologies. Only hear, like, 20% of what you say at this point. Good, 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 good. <laughs> no, how long has that been going on for? position you can take as some kind of uh, communist movie watcher is sort of like post adornoite hedonism essentially I like music. justified in the framework of sensuousness and pleasure yeah well oh, yeah yeah so like part 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 of the thing that I find really r- remarkable is that like if if people are being sincere about this admiration for technological ingenuity and for 21st century advancement in the medium and the form. Why isn't that we aren't looking to things like, for instance, K-pop and the kind of like hyper-technological development of that industry and its goals of generating a global audience for its art? Why aren't we concentrating on how so many people are finding something interesting inside this exercise. I think it's because the people who advance uh, ideas, the ruling ideas, essentially these these uh, articulations, which are complicated and puzzle-like, are doing so he- fundamentally through a hedonistic exercise and through like a intellectual dominance it's like it's just another extension of power it 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 expresses itself under the same logic and rationale of capitalism itself see see but i think it's actually not a hedonistic exercise like not really i i see it as much more like ascetic almost like not necessarily in its aims but in its like practices it is about retraining yourself to seek things uh to actively avoid the immediate and the felt and the visceral and to seek things uh whose like obtuseness whose uh interpretive and hermeneutic difficulty is the attraction uh, whose puzzle-like qualities provide the entire content versus actually having some kind of connection to sentiment or aesthetic immediacy. Yeah, it's the estrangement from life itself. When life becomes too painful, we substitute an imaginary. Well, ultimately, it goes beyond that, though, because it it's not the substitution of the, the real for the imaginary in the event of pain it's part of it as like a normal intellectual routine it's totally divorced from the experience of actual pain and transformed into just uh, a pastime for the bourgeoisie to entertain themselves with oh lord god yeah yeah i mean i think i think it's it's almost too depressing to fully apprehend 
uh, but I see people responding to it to a picture that like almost explicitly asks you not to feel um, that invites you to indulge entirely um, in a dissociative like abstract analytical uh, way I see these same people saying that the film has like moved them that it has it has emotionally impacted them for me I want to understand what that what that expression stands for. Well, I think it's it's this purely personal projection outward, like this solipsistic mode of film criticism, which I think is is suited to genuine trash and marginalia and things which uh perhaps lack the same kind of outward projection of political and ideological content. But here it just seems totally out of place and even interpretively reprehensible. Yeah, it seems disingenuous. And a cyclical despair and hope that you would like to invest it with. Because ultimately it is telling you that your feelings are not important and that they cannot form the basis for any kind of thought, that you must reject them and sort of compartmentalize them away from your cognitive capabilities in order to think properly. Just kind of do the same thing that they do with like exploitation movies and like horror movies with this movie because it's so much less worthy of it. Oh yeah, I mean, what what an incredible irony too for a film like this, absolutely useless, um, without any genuine political insight to be released at like this moment of like critical crisis and collapse. Yeah, no, it, it's one of serendipitous ironies of life that you can just put your shitty little movie out there, have there be a global pandemic and just everyone goes buck wild for it. I feel like that's maybe part of it too, is that it's just pure escapism. It's escapism disguised as political thought, as like an analysis when in fact it's turning away from the world rather than facing it oh yeah it's like it's put me in my her- uh, hermetically sealed agi like temperature controlled environment controlled geodesmic bubble house and feed me everything not just like sustenance and nutrition but like media and oh my gosh it's just like what do they think the world that we live in right now essentially uh, amounts to is this kind of like algorithmic marshalling of the attention of the undulating masses like here we are technologically transfixed every day and we're using technology as best we can or are being used by it and yet we can still maintain these kind of totally fantastic um impossible utopian visions of like where this will go and like how this is going to end if only because it's just so much more difficult to 
confront and look at the hard realities of the worst externalities of capitalist accumulation, how much pain and how much suffering and how difficult it's going to be to overcome the amount of power that is standing against us. It's just remarkable. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's an opiate. It's an opiate for, like, looking at the real pain of capitalism and of imperialism in a very concrete way every day right now. Uh, in the same way that, you know, the middle class's $1,200 in monthly Trump bucks is like an opiate. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I feel uh, we should stop being negative and move to some positives, by which I mean better thans, in other words, movies you can watch that are good and not bad and not this movie. Yeah, I thought you were going to propose that we just sit here quietly and imagine, like, robots serving us. I mean, uh, you can do that, too. Pause the pod. Pause the pod and just... Any listeners that want to, just kind of sit quietly for the next couple minutes. Make sure to block your ears and eyes. That's very important. Yeah, those are senses. Robot feeding you educational media 24 hours a day. good that's better right okay yeah give us give us uh give us the real ones give us some titles that we can uh, uh actually enjoy imagine that we can say some good movies do you want to go first i i didn't really think that hard about this The internet's failing us once again. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. I'll just read this list of movies that I've got. Hell yeah. Okay. So the first better than that I have is The Hour of the Furnaces, which is a Latin American documentary which is about actual workers revolution and struggle as it exists on the ground and is placed to do a conversation with the workers in the academic critical class and is an example of how you can do visionary agitprop cinema in a way that's materially historically and just generally politically situated and not reprehensible uh and then uh, my other suggestion, uh, another one of them, is the uh, Indian action film Kala uh, from 2018, I want to say, which is sort of uh, this proletarian action melodrama, which like has a kind of uh, an understanding of how to use the popular form, the form of pop cinema to advance a political cause from within rather than performing the same action through kind of uh, abstracted montage. And then my final suggestions are the Neveldine Taylor film Gamer, which is a better uh, account of how technology 
has come to be used in the present-day capitalist society than anything this movie could ever offer. Just watch Gamer. It's a great movie. Just fantastic. And finally, Serial Experiments Lane, which kind of has the same sort of better-than quality in that it just understands more about how human beings as actual human beings relate to the technological than anything Isaiah Medina is capable of imagining. So watch those movies and that anime instead of inventing the future or to recover from inventing the future. Well, like one of the most fascinating things about Lane, I think, is the fact that it's from 1999 and it it does in whole cloth invent a future that more or less comes to pass in all of the force of its like expression. It's a, a very prescient take on the internet and technology. Present day, present time, baby. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to try to do this maybe a little bit off the top of my head. Okay, so I would recommend uh, La Gay Sauvar by Jean-Luc Godard. Um, this is like more or less marshalling in his uh, political period coming out of the 1960s, declaring the end of cinema uh, with Weekend, and then using this film named after the Nietzsche book, um, The Joy of Learning or The Gay Science, uh, to ask questions about what the cinema is capable of and what a new radical cinema might look like. So contraposed to Medina's project here, which I think wants to claim that out of whole cloth, it has seen the future of cinema or has become it. In fact, I think there are some uh, commentators who are claiming like this is the first film of the future in some way or another. Uh, Godard uh, very uh, humbly and intelligently uh, doesn't assume he knows or will be responsible for what the cinema of the future will be, but instead does all that he can, which is to ask questions. If you want to see the realization of that project, I recommend Film Socialism, uh, which to me is like the quintessential example of 21st century political filmmaking that integrates the technological realities that surround us and does so in a way that is historical materialist, that is, is informed by everything that has preceded this moment and is looking toward it very importantly, looking back in order to make sense of where we are now. I would also recommend Jack Hill's Switchblade Sisters, uh, which is like a girl gang film that looks at what it really is like to be radically on the margins of society and to fight for power and autonomy and to do so in a city with many groups of competing interests, many of which also are set along the margins of power in under capitalism. And then I guess I would recommend Concerning Violence, which is based on the same book by Fanon, which is just like essentially looking at uh, African liberation struggles through the 60s and 70s 
uh, anti-colonial, pro-revolutionary, and actually concerns the matters of violence and power in a way that is experienced and received by those oppressed by the powerful who would yield the force of violence to subjugate them and who in turn might adopt strategies of resistance that actually include the fostering of power and the use of violence to defend themselves. Uh, something that I think Medina's project on its face rejects. Okay, so there you have it. Um, those are some recommendations for movies that you can watch instead of, in supplement of, uh, in contradiction to uh, the movie we spent the last like 40 minutes trashing. Go watch uh, Ready Player One. Oh god. Um, well that's a discussion we can have another day. I don't yeah. Do you like Ready Player One? I have no opinion on Ready Player One. I've seen about 10 minutes of it. It's not I good. Think, yeah I think I would hate it. It's pre- It's pretty bad. Oh well. Yeah, do you how's quarantine treating you? Uh it's okay. It's like it's not that densely populated here, so like I can go for walks at least and not like be putting other people at risk. Um yeah, we're kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um so at least I'm not like in the house in the house. But uh yeah, it's still kind of, like, a little bit frustrating, more than anything, because, like, I don't know, I've spent so long being a neat that, like, I just kind of got used to not going outside, but, like, the idea of just not being able to go outside is still kind of claustrophobia-inducing. Yeah. Have you been watching more stuff, more movies, consuming more media? Not really, honestly. I've just been, like, hanging out with my partner, mostly. Uh, I started, like, this week starting to watch movies again. Took me, like, half a month to get back onto movies. I downloaded Ritual, but I haven't watched it yet because I wanted to rewatch the end of Evangelion and then end of Evangelion first. Oh, all of those are great. Um, Ritual is like my favorite Ano project though It's really amazing Highly recommend it Yeah I'm pretty excited to watch it Yeah No it's it's like genuinely Incredible and um, Very like uh, Self Interrogatory for Ano In a way that like even Evangelion Is not like it's it's almost not even sublimated through like the narrative uh, anymore. It's just out there, um, and like Shinji Iwai is such a clear like uh, interrogation of Ano. This time, not as like a director, but or not as a person, but as the director, as the maker of art, who is like focused on uh, like illnesses traumas that are not always his own it's very interesting uh i was just reminded that since this will be our next released episode we should shout out uh the patrons that the the patrons that we have 
Oh, of course, yeah. So this is this is the first uh, episode that we will have released after launching our our, our Patreon, which check it out uh, at patreon.com slash liquidmoviecast. Um, there are lots of benefits and perks that will be involved, and one of those uh, is a shout-out on the podcast. And so I'm going to read the name of the five patrons that we have uh, so that we can thank you properly. Helen Chazen, Major Penton, Olivia, Taylor Hyder, and Will Carroll. Thank you so much for contributing uh, to this project. Uh, we really appreciate uh, your contribution. Yeah, thank you. And a lot of you are personal friends online, too. So, like, thanks for supporting us. It's very nice. Well, that's a podcast. Yeah, it's a podcast. What? So, how are the movies? I think they suck. This movie was so bad. What's happening? Yeah, no, the movies are bad. The movies are worse now than they've been in a while, which is saying something, because, like, we don't even have Monster Hunter to look forward to anymore. Box office numbers way down. Way down. Everyone hates the movies now and also doesn't want to get coronavirus. All right, well, catch you later, everybody. Bye. Bye. Okay, cool. We broke almost an hour. Good job. Yeah. Did it go? Yeah. Do you think it went okay? Yeah, I think that went well. Okay, good. I hope uh I hope it's clear that we hated that movie. <laughs> oh, I think th- yeah, I think it came through. <laughs> God, Eva, I'm so upset by this film. It's it's rancid. It's awful. It's fucking terrible. It's gonna be stuck in my brain for way too fucking long. Um, and like, I think like one of the ways in which my brain works is that it, it's tr- it's constantly trying to find an entrance. Like, I want to find something to admire in the project. Um, but, uh... I didn't go in wanting to despise it. I I just did. Like, in the first five minutes, it so thoroughly convinced me that I was gonna hate it. And then it just kept doing that. Oh, yeah, like, one, one thing I wanted to... I really did want to say about that movie is, like, it opens kind of looking back and reflecting on this moment after the housing crash in 2008 where you have Occupy Wall Street, you have this kind of outpouring of direct action and mobilization and protest against capitalism, these prevailing systems which are hurting people, and it all kind of like froze over and disappeared. And uh, Medina and these, uh, this book wants to diagnose this problem which essentially just amounts to they just want to look like revolutionaries. Uh, They have too much emotional investment in this project. They can't think clearly about what's happened. But that's such an ahistorical and unreal um, story about, like, what had actually happened. Because, like, 
there were there was radical leadership in organization that was front loaded into Occupy Wall Street. It did not totally happen spontaneously, but it was that like the powerful state apparatus in concert with, you know, law enforcement, uh, law enforcement, intelligence, and the federal government all in concert through the extension of the Patriot Act and this kind of like surveillance state was able to target and harass and in some cases like arrest dissidents like literally in such a way that much of the radical leadership was pushed out of this movement very early on and it's it's just like it's just like there's no recognition of this there's no reg recognition of like the ways in which um, the power of capital has marshaled to suppress this kind of folk politics that the film has such distaste for. Uh, and instead of saying that, like, the fight is going to be very hard and we're going up against so much power, we need even more feeling. We need even more uh, kind of like emotional readiness. Uh, instead, it's really just like, do nothing. It's so fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah.